0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we finish up our readings that we started this summer on Romans with Romans chapter 14. And as we look at Romans 14, I think it will be helpful to think of the Christian life as the cross with two beams. Right On a cross, there is a vertical beam, and there's a horizontal beam. And the vertical beam represents our relationship to our Creator. This is the relationship that is made possible by the death and resurrection of Christ, who took your sins so that you would become a child of God. So as a Christian, you are forgiven. As a Christian, you are made free in Jesus Christ. In your life and in your death, you belong to God, as Paul says, which means you are always free to turn to him. Your relationship with God is the only relationship that eternally defines who you are both now and in the life to come. You belong to him. And this is the greatest source of freedom, as we've heard over and over throughout the book of Romans. You don't have to live to justify your existence, nor do you have to live to show anyone how holy and pious you are, just as you don't have to live to prove to God how holy and good you are. You are already declared righteous in Christ. As St. Paul has told us in Romans already, there is no condemnation for those who put their trust in Christ. And I hope you can see how liberating this really is. It's the, fo- it's the foundation of freedom. There's no working, there's no struggling to earn a place before God. There's only freedom to enjoy his gracious gifts. So if this vertical beam of the cross symbolizes our relationship with God, the horizontal beam represents our relationship with our neighbors, with one another. Because God places us in many situations to love our neighbor. In our Lutheran tradition, we call these situations vocations, callings. These are the roles you have to love those around you. It's your role as husband or wife, parent, grandparent, child, employee, supervisor, teacher, student, next-door neighbor, American citizen, and so on. These are the horizontal roles God gives us as an opportunity to share his love with those around us. So in Romans 14, St. Paul is going to make a connection between the vertical and the horizontal for us. He wants us to understand how the freedom we receive in our vertical relationship frees us up to live faithfully in the horizontal relationships. He's going to show us how to use our freedom. Well, we know this idea, or at least this concept a little bit, from being American citizens. We know what it is to use our freedom for the good of others, right? Hopefully we vote our conscience and vote in a way which we believe will help our society, and we're free to do that. We're free to speak freely. We're free to assemble with one another, to encourage one another, to publish things we believe are good and true. We can use our freedom as Americans to benefit one another. Well, in the spiritual sense, we also have the opportunity to use our freedom for one another. And St. Paul's point is this, because we're made free by Christ, we are free to love and support our neighbors, each other, in a way that will encourage them. In Romans, Paul is writing specifically to a church that's mixed up with three kinds of people. You have Jewish believers, Jews who have become Christians. You have Gentile believers who now want to adopt Jewish practices from the Old Testament. And now you have Gentile believers, Gentile Christians, who do not want to adopt Old Testament practices. So you have differing opinions and different circumstances on how exactly the traditions are going to adopt look like, what the Christian life will look like in their community together. And so you can imagine how this might be a tricky pastoral situation for the church. Because you have some Christians in the church saying, It's better for believers not to eat pork, for example. Then you have some Christians saying, well, it's better just for Christians not to eat meat at all. And then you have some Christians saying, well, we can eat whatever we want because we're free. You have some Christians saying, well, we should celebrate some holidays. Then you have other Christians saying, no, you don't need to recognize holidays at all. And so there are all of these opinions about how human traditions are to be practiced in the church. And you can see how these different opinions and traditions might get in the way of being a congregation together. And of course, that's not so far removed from us either. Churches in our context have had all kinds of similar debates about traditions, right? What kind of music should be played in church? Which instruments can be used in church? Should Christians cross themselves? Is it better to receive communion from a common cup or from individual glasses should the paraments during Advent be blue or purple? Can Christians drink alcohol and use tobacco? Can Christians watch R-rated movies? Can Christians dance and play cards? How should people dress for church? What paint color should the chancel be? What should the carpet look like? And so on. Right? There's no end to these types of questions and no ends to how these questions have divided congregations over the centuries. But St. Paul is going to give us some clarity on this because he argues that because of Christ, we are free vertically, right, horizontally, we're also free in the human traditions we follow. And this is the first assumption, right? There's no human tradition that's going to justify you before God. Christ has already accomplished that. So choosing traditional music over contemporary music is not going to make you more holy. Keeping a Lenten fast is not going to score points with God for you. It's not going to make you more saved. Becoming a vegetarian for the sake of your salvation is not any more pious than eating any kind of food. Because our hope and trust is not in the traditions and the practices we follow, but our hope is in the promise of Christ. This means we're free in how we understand the things we do practice. Our practices are freed up to encourage and support our neighbor, not in self-justification. So Paul says, if eating pork is a problem for your brother or sister in the church, when you invite them over to dinner, don't serve them pork. Don't ridicule them. Don't boast about how free you are in Christ. Instead, encourage one another. Encourage those who practice different traditions from yours and do not judge them. And here, Paul reminds us that God is going to be the judge of us all. And so in one sense, we're free from being the judges of one another. Our job is not as judge. That's God's job. And so in the non-essential things and the practices of living out our faith, it's not our job to condemn our brothers and sisters. It's not our job to say, well, so-and-so in the pew in front of me doesn't cross himself. I bet he doesn't believe as much as I do. Right Or so-and-so drinks beer on the weekends, so I know he can't be a good Christian. Right? Rather, we let God be the judge of these practices. You are free to simply love your brother and not change him. What Paul will say in Romans 14.13, which comes right after our lectionary reading, is that we are not to become stumbling blocks to one another. Right? We're not called together as a church to quarrel about external opinions. We're called together to be shaped by the word of God. In the non-essentials, we are free to express charity with one another because the non-essentials do not save us. And likewise, Paul warns us not to impose laws on one another in which Christ has set us free. We have no place to insist that every Christian prays the same way that we do or eats the same things we do or fast like we do or dresses in the same style that we do for worship. Right, All the traditions, all the externals are precisely that. They are not the fundamental thing which unites us. What unites us is the word of God to us who are called the children of God. What unites us in terms of the Lutheran confessions is the right teaching and proclamation of the gospel and the proper giving of the sacraments. All else we're free to view through the lens of charity. And here's the thing all of us are going to fail at this. You are going to fail at being a charitable Christian because all of us universally are tempted to be self-righteous Christians. We're all tempted to look at our neighbor in contempt and to judge them as something a little less than we are. And so sometimes we use our freedom in Christ to think how better we are than others. We're all tempted to quarrel over opinions and get disgusted with with each other and begin to think sinful, angry thoughts about our brother and sister. But this is not why God has set us free. God has set us free to look at our neighbors with love and charity. But know that this horizontal living is difficult. Right? It's never perfect in this life. It's always a challenge set before us to live this out. And the New Testament, as you read it, is full of examples of this. St. Paul deals with this constantly in his letters to his congregations, right? Because letting love and charity define our relationships is a lifelong learning for us. And when we try it, we fail at it. When you try always to look with love and charity on your neighbor, you're going to fail. But when we fail, it's not an excuse to give up and stop loving our neighbor. But in the failure, we we lean on the vertical truth. Right, That truth that we are forgiven and justified by Christ alone. Our failures in loving our neighbors do not cut us off from God. And so even through the failures, we don't give up. We continue to try to live out our vocations of loving our neighbors. So day by day, we attempt to learn what it is to love one another by the Holy Spirit's direction. And this is possible only by the free grace of God for you in Jesus Christ. And so Paul reminds us, this is where you are to put your hope, in that free grace. Not in the externals, not in the human traditions, but only in the gospel of Jesus Christ for you. Amen.